Welcome to Artful Aging with your host, Amy. Are you a senior or a caregiver of a senior looking for support and direction? Best-selling author, educator, and expert in senior living, Amy Friesen, is here with the help you need while providing you with an important and valuable support network. So now, please welcome the host of Artful Aging, Amy Friesen. Morning, everyone. I'm Amy Friesen. This is Artful Aging with Amy. Thanks for joining us today. We're coming to you live from Bold Brave TV. On today's show, we're going to be talking all about how to get your finances in order for not only your own life, but for those that you might be willing to help out in their senior years, like your loved ones. A lot of different um, scenarios come up with money. Many families tell us that they are needing to chip in to pay for care or for retirement living as their loved ones um, age. And those might have had, you know, a job in the home or not had a pension or not saved properly. There's lots of reasons why people need a little bit of a boost in their senior years. Um, And so they need to be able to afford care over time. My guest today is Jim Clement, a financial advisor and wealth manager. Jim works with seniors to develop strategies for their wealth, estate and tax planning. Jim's also works with individuals who are looking at how they can love ones financially with the lowest impact on their own financial lives, which is all important. All of us want to be able to have our own money and do what we need, but also many of us want to be able to help our loved ones out. Welcome, Jim. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So, you know, Jim, as I mentioned, there are many seniors who are finding themselves in a financial pinch or a financial pickle when it comes to their care and their living arrangements. I speak with families very frequently about the struggle and how to balance their own family finance, but also contribute to their aging parents' needs and adding additional funds. So, Jim, what do you feel are the main contributors to this lack of income or savings when seniors get to a point of needing more care or even a financial or sorry, even a retirement community? Yeah, so there's really four main reasons for that. And the number one is uh, inflation. And we're seeing the full impact of inflation right now. Uh, If you're doing your groceries or going to the gas station, you've seen the prices go up massively. So the number one thing is $50,000 from 10, 15 years ago was not what it's worth today. So when we're talking about seniors, a $50,000 pension 20 years ago was significant, but now you're a retirement home and you have retirement homes, it's very common to see one that's $4,000 a month. So there goes your whole pension and that's not even talking about uh, any extra spending. So inflation is one of the big ones. Uh, Number two is we're living longer than ever. So 20, 30 years ago, you retired at 65 and you expected to live till 75. So you only needed about 10 years worth of savings. And now we're seeing people retire young. It's common to see people retiring at 55, at 60, but our life expectancy is now past 85 years old. So you're looking at 20, 30, 30 plus years of expenses. So if you don't have a pension, that's a lot of money that you're gonna have to be bringing in. So people don't necessarily plan for that. They saw their parents, retire and pass away shortly after and did not plan for that accordingly and that brings me to the next the lack of planning um we often compare ourselves to other people we compare ourselves to the neighbor next door who they're happily retired but we don't know that they're sitting on two big federal pensions uh when we're self-employed so we don't plan accordingly to it or if we do plan we 
we invest instead of plan for retirement. So you're putting money aside every single month. So you're saying, okay, I'm putting a hundred dollars aside. Uh, I've been doing that for a few years. It's, it's all going to work itself out. That's not necessarily the case. You haven't looked at where are you going to invest? Is it the right investment vehicle? Is it going to be right for your flexibility? Does it allow you to take advantage of the government pensions that you are entitled for, especially old age security? Uh, if you invest too much in RSP, that can cost your old age security pension in the future and make your savings dwindle a lot faster. So the majors are inflation. We live longer. Uh, we procrastinate planning for it. And when we do plan for it, we don't necessarily have a plan. We simply invest for retirement. I'm wondering also, because uh, especially where we're at in Ottawa, there's, you know, for the long-term care waiting, there's waiting lists for long-term care, which is our public system. And so what's happened in my career is that the retirement homes have some of that care, have started to offer that care in our area, for instance, and across the country, really. Um, But I wonder if one of the other contributing factors might be the fact that, you know, back when the seniors of today had their parents being seniors, retirement living as it is today was not what it was, right? It's obviously growing the markets needed. And so whereas, you know, they might have been family caregivers for their loved ones or the investment is on their time, not the investment in a retirement community that's going to take care of care. Would you think that that might be a contributor as well? Yeah, it's also we used to have a lot bigger families. You had, uh, if I take an example, my uh, on my father's side, there were 10 kids. The Both parents did not have a sizable pension, but there were 10 kids to take care of them. So you had money coming in from different avenues. Different people could take go in and do the care that they wanted to, and they could live at home. But now you're seeing families with a single child or two kids. They both have full-time jobs. It's a lot harder to take care of a parent. But like you mentioned as well, uh, we have the baby boomers who are all moving into retirement home. That's a huge portion of the population. So the amount of homes available is a lot shorter as well. So uh, the need for at-home care, which is not cheap, that's going up as well. And like it or not, current um, living facilities or at-home care, it is a business. They're in there to make a profit as well. So it's never going to become cheaper. And like you said, the alternative is uh, public uh, public funded or non-for-profit homes, which is normally is not necessarily the best uh, way of life. But sometimes it's not the most delightful option. Like, it, you know, there's they definitely get a bad rap. There's definitely lovely, lovely long-term care homes, but with COVID, all that stuff and all the lights that's been shined everywhere, right? It gives, leaves a bad taste in people's mouths and they hesitate, right? And then retirement living from that end could go, you know, like you said, it could be 4,000. It could, it really could range in our city from, you know, 2,500 up to $15,000 a month, depending on what their care actually looks like and how much the retirement home needs to supplement. So, Um, you know, as you know, it's great. There's a spot where they can do care for individuals and they can provide that care and and take the, a little bit of the pressure off the family. You know, the family is always going to be a caregiver, but, um, you know, also it comes, like you said, it doesn't, it comes at a cost and yes, they are providing the service. And yes, a lot of people can benefit from that, but not everyone. So for those folks that, you know, are in that in-between line, it's a little bit more difficult and trying to figure out how do we help them? Because there's a lot more kids these days that are coming to us uh, for help at TNTO specifically saying, you know, I need to chip in a couple of hundred dollars a month. It's not even, some of them, it's not even a ton of money, right? Like it's a couple hundred from this kid. It's a couple hundred from that kid. Just trying to, you know, meld a little bit to make sure that mom and dad are taken care of properly. And so it gets to be 
a little bit sticky, especially like the families are so much smaller. Like it's just me and my sister, for instance, or it's just, you know, my husband is an only child. And so all of the burden of that financial responsibility then comes down on one or two kids and not 10, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, let's continue this conversation in a minute, Jim. We're going to be back uh, in just a few minutes on Artful Aging with Amy. We'll see you then. Welcome back to Artful Aging. Today, we're speaking with Jim about all things financial. Jim, can you tell our audience who might not be familiar with what a financial advisor is, what some of the benefits are of working with yourself um, to sort out their, not only their finances, but also like what are their finances for the future, all realms of their life? Yeah, so um, we just talked about purely about caregiving and the financial planning towards that. And there's so many contributing factors to take into consideration. So it can be extremely overwhelming to do it on your own. And uh, the fact of the matter is I've been in this business for, uh, I've been specializing in eight years now, and there's still cases where we need to develop new strategies, new types of plans just to accommodate the clients. So um, to do it on your own, it's very overwhelming. I don't know if you've ever been on CRA and tried to make sense of simply uh, how to utilize CPP and OAS. If you start at 60, at 60 years old, whether or you start at 70 years old, what do you do with OAS? How does OAS clawback work? Just taking that into consideration is extremely daunting, but then investing into questions. So how do you plan for retirement planning? How do you plan for caregiving, whether it's for yourself or for parents? Do you invest that in your RSP? Do you invest that in your TFSA? Do you wanna use that contribution room for your parents and for your care? Or do you want to keep it for yourself? So there's so many things to keep in mind. And using an advisor like ourselves, we're going to help sort all of that out for you. And the common misconception is that you meet with us and it's like meeting with a lawyer or an accountant where you meet with us and you have to pay us a, a bill simply for the consultation. That's not the way it works. We're actually compensated by the companies that we deal with. So if ever you do decide to do business with us, we've built the plan for you. Uh, we decide where the money's gonna go, how we're gonna invest it, how we're gonna do our withdrawals, how we're gonna utilize that money later on. And you don't have to pay me anything. It's not out of pocket. It's the companies that we deal with, whether we take them to a financial institution, whether we take that money invested with an insurance company, they're the ones who compensate us to manage the clients. It's not coming from you directly. And the last thing is a lot of people, they say, well, I don't want to work with an advisor because they're going to make me a budget and I'm not going to be able to live my life. Well, the way that we work is we try to build the plan around your lifestyle. So the last thing that we, that we want is for you to be able to enjoy today so that you can enjoy tomorrow. So we're not going to make sure we're, we're going to make sure that you can still take those trips. We're going to make sure that uh, you're still going to be able to pay your kids education and uh, figure out your future care or your parents care or everything like that. We're really going to make a plan that is holistic on all areas of your life. We're not just going to take one plan and just focus it in one direction. So that's normally the, the, the biggest thing is people worried that I don't want to work with one because one, we're too expensive. And number two, I have other goals. I don't want to focus on that right now. Well, let's take everything into consideration and let's take care of it. So that's that's probably the biggest uh, the, the biggest reason why somebody should work with an advisor. I think that a lot of people as well, it's kind of similar to, you know, my field in retirement living planning, right? Planning general, you know, people, again, that have watched our show know that I'm all about planning, but it's difficult with planning because unless you're putting it towards specific, something specific like a trip or something like that, 
right? And you're like very small scale and you're trying to plan for your future. It's all this unknown. It's all this guesswork that you're doing your best to try to figure out, but then there's no substance to it almost. It's kind of what I'm thinking. It's like, it's hard to like, Hey, this might happen, but people, you know, don't know if it's going to happen. And then they feel like paying this money for something that might not happen. And it's all yeah. these unknowns. Does that cloud the vision a little bit? Do you find? Absolutely. So I think the saying goes, a goal without a plan is simply a wish. So if you're simply trying and you, you don't have anything earmarked, you're, you're simply, like I said, simply investing instead of planning, you're simply wishing. You don't have a plan into place. Yeah, for sure. And if you were joining us last week, Sarah and I off taxes and benefits. And today, you know, we're going to work with Jim to look more specifically on ways that we can plan out our path, our financial path that can include having some extra money for your loved ones or your kids or who else you want to make money rain on, I guess. <laughs> Jim, let's um, let's briefly discuss warning signs. Many of the adult children we work with have no idea about their parents' finance because, let's face it, many seniors are willing to share that information. It's a different generation. They, you know, it's just hush-hush more than anything. So what are some of the warning signs adult children could look for that their parents may be getting into things over their head financially? Yeah, so you you nailed it. Um, They don't want to talk about it. That's the number one warning sign is they don't want to talk about it and they tell you don't worry about it. Uh, they grew up in a in a time where it was don't talk about money, don't talk about fi- uh, religion, don't politics. Well, they're, they're, it's very hard for them to break outside of that mold. So they're not going to want to talk to you about it. And one way that we figured out uh, how to bypass that issue is you introduce us, you t- tell them to speak to your advisor. Just say, okay, so that way we're cutting the child out of it. Because the last thing that they want to do is show weakness in front of their children. They've been your mm-hmm. your caregiver for 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, whatever it is, they don't want to show weakness in front of you. So if you put a third party in front of them to take care uh, of them, uh, that normally alleviates some of that some of that problem. Or you have a joint meeting where you meet with, let's say, myself, the caregiver, the child, and the senior parent, and that way there is that impartial third party to break the tension in those meetings because now it's a business meeting it's not an emoting um but in talking to some clients who were worried um some of the signs are number one is food if you're going to visit and they're constantly eating canned food they're not going to restaurants they're not eating necessarily healthy that means they're they might be nickel and diming their way through so they're trying to penny pinch wherever they can they're doing couponing buying a lot of canned foods one, that's not good for their diet. And number two, that is a warning sign that maybe financially they're not as free. And the same thing with the clothing. If they're wearing the same clothing over and over and it's becoming raggedy, it means they don't want to splurge on 30, 40, 50 bucks worth of clothing. So again, it's just signs that they are penny pinching. And those are two that you can see if you go visit and you can see that the place is filled with just empty cans of food and they're still wearing the same clothing that you saw them wear 10 years ago. Those are some signs that maybe things aren't financially stable where you can bring up, hey, listen, we just met this advisor who actually specializes in senior care and senior senior income. Do you want to meet with them? And they might take that opportunity and say, holy, I yeah, I, I do need to meet with them. And then you can have the conversation. Do you want us there? Or do you want to handle this yourself and, and whatnot? So very sensitive topic, but try to bring an impartial third party. That's probably the best way to do it. Yeah, I find that as well. And you know, opening up that conversation. So we're going to take a break, Jim. Let's uh, we'll continue in a couple of minutes. You're watching Artful Aging with Amy on Bull Brave TV. See you soon. 
Welcome back. You're watching Artful Aging with Amy. We're discussing how uh, children of seniors can help contribute to their senior loved ones' lives, how they can, you know, not go into debt doing it themselves. We're going to talk about all of it. Jim, let's look at what adult children can do to have a little extra money to help their loved ones out. What types of strategies should these folks maybe look at? Yeah, so that can be very individualistic, but there's a few strategies that pop up and that normally you can do uh, regardless of the situation. And number one is it's a very underutilized and not known product. It's called long-term care insurance. And uh, basically what long-term care insurance is, is it's just like any insurance policy. You can pay for it for your parents and the benefit will be paid to your parents. Uh, your parents can pay for themselves. Or in a lot of cases, it's the child and the parent. They split the premium if it ends up a little bit too expensive. But it's a insurance policy that when, you're, when your parent uh, that you want to give care to, if they can't do any two activities of daily living, so whether that's getting dressed, getting fed, uh, cleaning, traveling, any of those, they would receive a weekly benefit for a specific amount of time. It can be it can be for life, but that's based on the budget. We can build the policy uh, to fit the specific need. But they would receive this tax-free benefit anywhere from $100 a week up to $5,000 a week. So if you say, well, we're probably not gonna be able to build enough of a nest egg to build that, uh, that, that value ourselves, then you can buy a policy which I wish I could tell you how much it costs, but again, it's so individualistic, whether it's we only need a little bit to subsidize maybe a little bit of home care, or we want to put them in the best facility. Imagine we really want to boost boost their income. And as soon as you that your parents starts to not to be able to care for themselves, then they'll receive that benefit for however long it needs. So utilizing long-term care insurance takes a lot of the pressure off the child to say, okay, I need to put money aside now to be able to care for them. They can simply rely on that insurance policy to kick in whenever the need arises. And the other one is to build the nest egg. So let's you see your parent they're retired and uh they don't necessarily they might not have a spouse they you can see okay well i saw my grandparents they needed care so i'm i'm gonna put money aside so let's say you put six thousand dollars aside in your tfsa every single year and that's earmarked for the parent so you build that portfolio up for a hundred thousand dollars and uh when the time comes okay now i need to put my um my mother or my father i need to put them in a care um a facility well, that money's earmarked for them. So you know they're gonna be they're gonna be covered that way. But the child still has to retire one day. That child still is gonna need uh, some sort of nest egg for themselves. So what you do is you build that nest egg for the parent and you purchase a life insurance policy on the parent. So as they're getting the care, this next nest egg is going down, 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 down utilizing these funds for whatever need they have. And sadly, one day the parent will pass away and the child will receive a death benefit from the life insurance policy to completely replace that nest egg or build it up. So it can be the full hundred thousand, it can be two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, whatever it is. So now you're you're not stuck in the weeds where all those savings that you accumulated over the year to care for the parents, now you're stuck with nothing, and now you have to build up your own savings near retirement age or at age. So it's a great way to protect yourself on either side. And if ever there is a case where the parent never needs the care. Let's say they live in their home happily for their entire life and they pass away peacefully. That money's still yours. That nest egg that you built, it's in your TFSA. So it was earmarked for the parent. They never needed it. Now you can utilize it yourself for your own retirement needs, for your own care and 
So it's a very good strategy because it protects you from both sides. It is a very good strategy. I actually haven't thought about that. And that's one of the things about the show, too, is that I learn just like everybody else. And, and it's all the stuff when I talk to people. So, you know, when I've, I've worked with financial planners before and a lot, you know, some of the starting point is, you know, how aggressive do you want to be with your savings? Are you conservative? Are you young? Are you old? All of that stuff. Is there any specific strategies that would be a better fit for someone that started planning earlier? So like, say, your um, your parents are aging and you're younger, like you're in your 30s or late 20s and you're really, you know, hip to what to do or you've got this, you know, influence and you know that you have to start saving. Is there a different plan that someone younger, like 30, would do than someone that's like 45 planning for the same thing? Is there a difference? So the it's very simple. The earlier, the better. So if you invest $30,000 over a 25-year period, so that's $100 a month, you'd have twice as much money at the end of those 25 years than you if you invested $30,000 over five years, which would be $500 a month. So using that same $30,000 over a long period of time, you start to get the compounding interest. So that's one of the reasons why starting early is always best because we have people that come in all the time and they say, okay, I'm 60 years old. I want to retire at 63 and I have no savings. Well, it's really, really hard for us to start building something unless we say, okay, you got to put $2,000 a month aside. But somebody who's young, you can start very small by doing that $100 contribution. Your money is going to go a lot further because after a couple of years, you accumulate interest and that interest starts to accumulate uh, to accumulate interest. And also you talked about the risk start investing at 30 years old and you know this money's earmarked for long term it's earmarked for 60 years old you can go aggressive because even with the fluctuations in the market you're not going to have to worry about it if in five years the market's down 20 percent because there's a recession you know you don't need that money so let it go let it flow because that market will rebound the market's never gone down over a seven-year period so on the other side is if you tell me, okay, I need to retire in five years, I have to be much more conservative because you don't want to retire when your money is down. So you can't assume the risk. You can't get the same rate of return. So not only are you getting the compounding interest by starting early, you're also getting more investment options and you can utilize a TFSA. If you're not ready and you don't know what to do with the money, just invest in the TFSA because later on you can transfer that to your RSP in your later years. So it just brings so much more flexibility. And the last is, we talked about that long-term care insurance. We talked about life insurance. It's only, it's cheaper today than it's gonna to be tomorrow because the younger you are, the cheaper it is. So if that is part of your plan, the earlier you get it, the cheaper it's gonna be. So it's only gonna be beneficial for you in the end to start early. Awesome, yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking as well. But sometimes I just like to say things so that people understand that, you know, there's definitely a lot of strategies and we've talked a lot about you know, utilizing professionals as well, right? And and just having these strategy sessions. And one thing that often comes up with um, individuals who are caring for their loved ones is that, you know, a lot of seniors don't want to be parented, right? And so there's a lot of different ways to do that. And I think that, you know, having that investment on your own side and maybe just doing your own thing for their future sometimes is a nice bridge without overstepping. But then, you know, like myself, I want to make sure that people are taken care of, right? And so that worries me on a financial level. And so not everybody might buy into that. And so what what can I do personally so yeah. that I don't fall down that rabbit hole later and, and we can deal with it? So we're going to continue this conversation when we come back. I'm going to pose this question to our audience. 
Do you have your finances in order to take all the people that you want to? We're going to talk when we get back about the sandwich generation a little bit. And if you don't know what it is, I guess you're going to have to stay tuned. We'll see you in a few minutes. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to skip right to the question, Jim. This question on my mind. I am officially a member of the sandwich generation, which means that I have a four-year-old and I have aging parents and I'm caring for them in, in various different ways. Um, and so how do I save and help my aging loved ones we have you know, both, both and make sure my four-year-old gets what she needs for you know money savings and all that extra stuff what strategies can you give me yeah so again you, you it, it's complicated because like you said there's the money has to go in th so many different areas that normally people in this situation they are paycheck to paycheck a lot of money is going towards the care of the parent and a lot of money is going towards the child so they don't have time then they lose themselves and they don't have time to accumulate any types of savings and those are the generation that we're seeing they are getting close to retirement and they can't retire because they have no savings aside so this is where using the strategy that we talked about earlier of using life insurance as part of the plan can be extremely beneficial because you're going to be caring for that parent their, their, the rest of their lives. And when they pass away, that's when you receive and boom, now you have the savings that you haven't been able to accumulate because you've been living paycheck to paycheck. And as far as uh, for the kids, it's really trying to maximize the benefits that we get from our government. We do have the universal child care benefit, which I believe they just changed the name for it. But it's usually utilizing that to the full of it uh, to the to its full potential. Utilizing if education is important to use that 20% grant that you can get in RESPs to really try to stretch those dollars out for for your child. But yeah, like you said, normally it's a tough situation. You can't build your savings, and then that is stop the 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 chain reaction so you care for the parents and then the parent passes away and then the, your child has to care for you and you're just pushing forward and pushing forward um it is to use life insurance so that that way when the parent passes away you're taken care of really yeah, that your child will not have to do the same thing for you because you will have that chunk of savings that will be left behind from the insurance policy so you can really focus and say okay okay if i'm living paycheck to paycheck for now because i'm taking care of my uh my mother because i'm taking care of my daughter at the same time because when the time comes you'll get something out of it as well and you will have the significant savings so that you don't have to put your kid in the same situation for sure. Yeah, let's stop that that process. I think a lot of what many people are working towards right now that are our age too is that, you know, we're trying to stop, like you said, stop that process and like how to fix things so that when we're seniors, we're not doing the same thing over and over, right? So I think that's really important. Let's talk a little bit more about insurance, especially about when people pass away. So we've been talking about insurance. Can you maybe give us a little bit more details. You know, is it ever too late to get insurance? What happens when someone passes away with their insurance? Yeah, so it's, it, it, it's never too late. You can purchase insurance up until your 80s. <clears throat> There's a couple plans that you can get in your 80s. But like I mentioned earlier, the longer you wait, the more expensive it is. Um, I literally every week I meet people that say, I wish I would not have waited so long. Um, either it's because because life insurance always serves a purpose. So the number one purpose that we see is I don't want to leave debt behind. So there's a kind of a crude saying it's leave behind a corpse. You don't want to leave behind debt. Life insurance is the best way to do that because there are funeral costs. If you cover your own funeral, it's going to cost you a lot more than it would to simply pay a life insurance to cover your funeral costs. But there's yeah, covering funeral costs, final arrangements. That's the biggest one that we see. 
something that people don't think about is what's the taxes on your estate? Have you ever had a breakdown of how your assets are going to be passed down to your kids? If you own a family cottage, there's going to be capital gains on that cottage. They will receive the home. They're going to receive some of the money, but how are they going to cover the gains on that cottage? A cottage that was bought in 1970 for $10,000 is worth $500,000 today is not uncommon. And there's $250,000 in gains from that cottage that the money's going to have to come from somewhere. So um, whether that need is for funeral arrangements to cover um, any taxes on the estate, um, too often we see people simply wait too long. So you can get a plan. One thing that we do see, we talked about the sandwich generation. We see people buying insurance on young kids that are three, four, five years old so that that way they never have to purchase insurance for the rest of their lives. And then on the other side, we see people who are 75 who say, I should have done it earlier. So no, there's not, it's never too late, but it's always going to be more beneficial to do it early. And the way that it works, it's simple. Once somebody passes away, we receive a death certificate and a proof, uh, proof that they are deceased. And then the beneficiary receives a tax-free benefit of whatever the amount was. It can be $10 million. It can be $10,000. They receive that benefit tax-free. doesn't have to be earmarked for anything. It's the beneficiary's money. So hopefully the parents, the beneficiary had a conversation about, okay, you're going to receive this check. This is what it's for. There's going to be taxes to pay on the cottage. My funeral is going to be $25,000. And then the rest of the money, I want the grandkids to be able to go to school and, and whatnot. So that's why it's important to have a will in place. I'm sure you've talked with uh, somebody who was an expert in wills to make sure that that life insurance money is utilized properly. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned too about uh, the kids insurance. We have that for Eve. It was solely, well, not solely, but you know, generally I want to set her up better than I was set up. Like every generation, we want to just do better by our kids. Right. And then that life insurance is already going since she was like one. And so we would hand it over to her at 18 and then she just doesn't have to worry about that stuff, which I just think is such a gift. She hopefully she finds out it'd be a gift (laughs) down the way, but we'll see. Um, And the other thing too, is what happens to, um, I guess it would be at that point, most likely a riff. What happens to their riffs and any of that type of savings stuff that they have when they pass away? Yeah. So the big, the biggest worry that we see in riffs is people invest in RSPs their whole life, regardless of uh, what pensions they have, what their situation is. And then when they retire, they don't want to take the money out because you're taxed on that money. So they take the money out, they lose their old age security, or they get bumped up to a too big, uh, too high of a tax bracket. Uh, you never utilize that money. When you pass away, the day you pass away, it's like you took every single dollar out at once. So you can ta- you can be taxed. It's very common to be taxed at 53%. So all that money that you invested your whole life, you lose over half of it to CRA and you never got to see any of it. So we encourage our clients to actually first, before you invest in RSPs, have a plan. And number two, take more than you need out because you can simply take it out of that rift pocket into another pocket that's more friendly to your estate. Because it's more, it's way better to pay 23% in tax now than 53% later. Use your money. That's a lot. That's right. What I'm telling a lot of people, you too. So, all right. Well, it's that time again, Jim. We're going to go for a break. We will see everyone back here in just a couple minutes on our Aging with Amy. Hello again. My guest Jim and I have been speaking about ways that you and your loved ones can move around money to make it work better for you your, and any of your loved ones that you would like to spend money on. Um, I think now is a good time to ask you, Jim, what are your top tips? I know, like, what would you recommend that seniors and their children can look into doing? And remember, don't, I mean, don't forget the sandwich. And, you know, we're, we want to make sure that we're, we're 
helping our loved ones that are seniors when we, you know, if we want to, but also a lot of those same people have children that are young. What would you say, yeah. Tim? The, the number one thing, and it's always the same, and it comes back, whether we talk to somebody who's worth millions and millions of dollars, whether we're talking to somebody who's financially strapped, they always say the same thing. I wish I would have started earlier. It, it doesn't matter which situation you're, is, you're in. Um, starting earlier will give you all the flexibility that we talked about. But again, um, it's it gives you so many more opportunities. And with the tools that we have available now, there's no there's no reason not to start early because with the tax free savings account which we touched uh, we touched on earlier it gives you all the flexibility in the world it doesn't affect your taxes it gives you that emergency blanket and you can just start off by building that emergency fund a little and then utilize that fund in a bigger in a bigger uh, in a bigger plan but that's the number one thing is getting started earlier and number two is don't go into it alone it's a you don't try to do your own surgery. You don't try to diagnose yourself if you have if you have an illness. And if you do, you go on Google and you type in your um, your symptoms and you think you have cancer, right? So same thing with- Don't finance. do that. No, don't do that. <laughs> and the same thing with finance. Don't go at it alone. Don't think that because I'm investing in Wealth Simple, which is not necessarily the worst thing in the world, don't think, oh, I'm all taken care of. Don't go into it alone. Utilize the help that's out there. There's advisors like myself all over the place, and there's advisors that specialize in maybe your specific situation. If you are the sandwich generation, if you're caring about a, a senior, go meet with an advisor that has a background in that specific area. There's all this knowledge out there to uh, to utilize, so go for it. It costs you anything. It's not like dealing with lawyers and accountants, as I mentioned. So number one is getting started early, and number two is don't go at it alone. So that's that's probably the two best um, the two best recommendations that I would have. Yeah, for sure. And and I I think all of us every show tell everybody the same thing: plan and use a professional because it's just too much information in the world to know everything, right? And you just can't. You have to become an expert essentially a field that you're trying to learn and it's impossible you've got your own jobs and things you're doing you can't take on all sorts of different information it's the same with the retirement home world you know what i do is like no one can know that much information unless you're specializing in it and so you're more likely to make a misstep which can cost a lot of different things so maybe before we go i wanted to talk to you about um bank accounts because there's a lot of misconceptions. We turn capacity episode that it might not be the wisest idea. Um, a lot of seniors that we work with have put their children on their bank account. And so the thought process is, is not only can the, that child then make decisions in the account, but that when that senior passes away, then the, the account goes to the child. Can you just sum up maybe what, what happens there? Yeah, so the, the main reason why people do that is to save minute fees. When you pass away, your whole estate, CRA is going to want a list of all your assets and all your accounts that you have, and they're going to look at it and say, okay, everything's there, and they're going to charge you 1.5% on top of the, uh, on everything that's there. So they're trying to save that. That's called probate fee. And then there's also the legal fees of transferring all the accounts, transferring all the assets, and then there's the executor fee, which is the executor of the estate to settle the estate they're allowed to take three to percent of the valuation of the estate so worst case scenario with those accounts by putting your child as a co-owner you're saving six to nine percent in fees that's it so they name a child as the co-owner so that that way it can bypass those fees but in doing so it opens you up to their whole liability so if your child uh, were to get divorced legal troubles bankruptcy or creditor um creditors come 
your assets are now available to their creditors, uh, ex-wives, or uh, any um, or, or, or the courts. So you're opening up yourself to so much liability only to save six to nine percent. When on the other hand, if your same accounts, if those same accounts that were at the bank, if you invested them with an insurance company, so that doesn't mean buying life insurance. That means investing your funds with uh, cooperators, Manulife, Sun Life, any of those companies. Because your funds are held with an insurance company, they bypass probate, executor, and lawyer fees. They're, they go directly to your beneficiaries. So you still keep access of these accounts. You still have the rights to all the money. You can take the money out. You can put money in. You can do whatever you want. Simply, when it's time, when you do pass away, it's going to go directly to your beneficiaries as opposed to going through lawyer and executor fees and then going. So not only does it save you that six to nine percent, it also saves you about four to 18 months of legal work and paperwork and all of that to actually transfer those accounts. So there's a much easier way. And we talked about why utilize the financial advisor, because this is a simple, simple thing that harms nothing in your day to day, but saves you that six to nine percent and saves you all the potential liability having a co-owner on your account. Yeah, I think that maybe I'm going to ask the question because I'm a little lost. We only have a couple of minutes, but when you are saying to invest in insurance, you know, so if you've got a daily bank account and whatnot, and it holds whatever money, probably like sometimes it doesn't hold very much, you'd still be opening yourself up for that risk, like you said. And so how would that investment work? Like, like again, yeah. we only have like a minute, but you know, I'm yeah. questioning, the else must be too. Yeah, so it, it, your checking account's probably not the biggest issue. We're talking mostly about savings and whatnot, but if you have GICs or mutual funds, at the bank, they have to go through probate and executor fees and everything like that. But if you have the exact same thing, they'd simply be called segregated funds and GIOs because they're held with an insurance company. That way they bypass the estate and the probate fees. So it's simply moving uh, money from one pocket to the other to save that whole headache. So normally the checking account, you shouldn't have more than $5,000 in a checking account. So if it is built up more than that, Think about investing in segregated funds and GIO so that that way it can be processed quicker for your estate. But yeah, it changes nothing in the day to day. It just it simply is a clerical thing to help you save six to nine percent. OK, yeah, that cleared it up a little bit. I was just a little little lost for a minute. So, I mean, that's a information for everyone. As usual with my guests, we could talk for days at this point, and I'm sure everybody Hopefully we didn't overwhelm anybody, but I'm hoping that they got a lot of information from the show today. Jim, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. All of Jim's information is over at artfulagingwithamy.com. All the links to get a hold of Jim is there and his bio. So Jim, thanks again for coming on today. My pleasure. And after the break, we're going to talk top three things I see families struggle with on their financial journey. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it on Artful Aging with Amy. Welcome back to Artful Aging with Amy. I hope that you've enjoyed today's show. As many of you know, I run a company called Tea and Toast, where my team and I work with families who have all different financial situations. Uh, and also being in the community, we see so many different uh, situations between families and their finances. Some have only what's been given to them by the government, like OAS and CPP in Canada, while others have pensions and savings. And so I thought it would be good to share my top three concerns so that if you are also struggling, you may have some direction. So number one, uh, my parents needs care and wants to stay in their home, but doesn't have the budget to allow it. 
In this scenario, many families look at public care to be provided by our government, and this could be in-home or long-term care. The trick is with this scenario is that your loved one needs to qualify for this care, and sometimes there's a waiting list. So if this sounds like your situation, consider speaking with someone sooner rather than later to get all your options um, outlined so that you're not caught off guard when things change. The second scenario is my parents need to make a move to retirement home and I need to help supplement them until they get accepted into long-term care. As Jim and I were talking, a lot of people go to retirement homes while they wait for long-term care homes. And there's a cost, obviously, for retirement homes. So in this situation, it's important to have accuracy about the monies that are coming in, uh, that are being brought in, and where they're coming from. Um, how much retirement living is and how much the care is going to be and how the retirement home offers care. There's something called a la la carte packaging and there's packaged care. And so how does that differentiate? And and it's important because the, the cost is different. How much can you afford to contribute as well? Not until you look at all the pieces can you make an actually accurate plan. So this sounds like you, again, it comes down to planning so that you're not caught off guard. And the third scenario is I see a, um, a senior who is sees the price of a retirement home and care and assumes that they can't afford it. This is most often caused by sticker shock. Many people who are currently seniors and have lived through the depression and often very thrifty um, have trouble with this. However, my philosophy is that you that you've been in your home all these years. You most often have savings from somewhere or you have different money coming in. And although many people want to leave money to their loved ones, most if not pretty much all of our families tell their loved ones, hey mom and dad, please use this money that you have saved. It's so that it doesn't come to us. We wanna make sure that you're healthy because where else is the money gonna come from unless it's coming from kids. So you know, keep in mind that many families actually want you as a senior to use your money. Um, They don't want to see you in squalor. They want to make sure you're taken care of because the most value is to have you in their life. So there you have it. On next week's show, we're going to be speaking with Therapeutic Pause Canada to teach why uh, animal therapy is so beneficial in seniors' lives in different situations and different care aspects. It's going to be very informative, so hopefully you'll tune in for that. For extra information, again, on today's show and upcoming guests, as well as past guests and their video links, head over to artfulagingwithamy.com. There you also find links for extra things like free downloads and, and blogs, extra information to help you on your journey. If you found today's show valuable, please think about sharing and liking our YouTube page and our Facebook Help other families find this information. It's very tricky to put all the pieces together on your senior living journey um, and to make sure that everything's in place. So share us with your networks to help them as well. Thank you for joining me on Artful Aging with Amy. uh, I hope you have a wonderful day. And from me to all of you, I hope you also have a wonderful Wednesday. You've been listening to Artful Aging with host Amy. Many folks just like you feel they're alone in their journey in helping a loved one or caregiver. So tune in each week and let Amy show you that help is around the corner and is just one conversation away here on Artful Aging.